Greetings and salutations, my people. Welcome back to the podcast that examines the heart and soul of the entertainment genre. This is An Evening at the Movies, and I am your ever-eager host, Casey, who is going to try a little experiment tonight. Tonight, we are taking off the training wheels, and we are going to dive headfirst into the deep end of the podcasting pool. No safety net, no harnesses. Yours truly is going to bring you this episode of An Evening at the Movies 100% on his own and free of charge. Not going to lie, I'm a little bit nervous. But hey, this is part of developing my craft, so what do you say? I think we can do this. What do you guys think? Tonight, if you couldn't tell by the opening, we are going to look at the 1985 John Hughes masterpiece, The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club came out on February 15th, 1985 from Universal Pictures. Directed by the 1980s movie legend John Hughes. It had a budget of $1 million and made at the box office $51.5 million. So... On that note, that would be a significant profit, even by today's standards. But today's standards, it probably would have grossed upwards of 120 to 150. But either way you look at it, it's a significant profit. So hats off to the legend. To this day, The Breakfast Club is considered by film critics to be one of Hughes' most memorable and recognizable works. In honor of the film in 2016, it was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Hmm. Probably has a lot to do with the fact that every theme throughout the entire movie, whether it's 1950s, 60s, 70s, Obviously, the 80s, 90s, and even the 21st century probably rings true and significant to every kid in their teenage years, high school years, whatever you want to call it. (coughs) Excuse me. So, the cast of the movie, the movie starred Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, Emilio, don't call me Charlie Sheen, Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Ali Sheedy, Paul Gleason, and John Capellos. Obviously, Judd Nelson played the character John Bender. Molly Ringwald played Claire Standish. Emilio Estevez played Andrew Clark. Anthony Michael Hall played Brian Johnson. Ali Sheedy played Allison Reynolds. (coughs) And... Paul Gleason played Vice Principal Richard Vernon, with John Capellos playing the ever-significant role of Janitor Carl. The movie opens with the 1980 soundtrack legendary song, Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds, as well as a quote on the screen from David Bowie that says, And these children that you spit on as they try and change their worlds are immune to their consultations. They're quite aware of what they're going through. Which, to me, (coughs) speaks volumes about what we're going to address in the movie with everything that the kids are going through and struggling to find their place in the universe. So, the movie opens with a group of delinquent students arriving at school on a Saturday morning because they have Saturday school detention. The first student that we come across and meet is Claire, played by Molly Ringwald, who we find out she has detention because little Miss Prom Queen ditched out on school to go shopping. Ooh. 
significant punishment. Next up, we meet Brian, who is played by Anthony Michael Hall, who is being dropped off. We don't know why yet that he has detention, but he's basically being ordered by his mother to get his butt into the school and make sure he gets a significant amount of studying done. And he replies with, it's detention. I'm not supposed to, I'm just supposed to sit there. And she's like, well, you better find a way to get some freaking studying done. So immediately at this point, you would think probably the kid is supposed to be a brainiac with a GPA to match. Next up, we meet Andrew Clark, who, again, we're not being made quite aware yet what he's in detention for, but the bulk of the conversation with his father is he's basically being shamed for blowing his full ride scholarship. So like with Brian and his brain, you get the impression that Andrew is a pretty significant muscle bound jock. Next up is Allison, Ali Sheedy's character arriving. She gets out of her parent or guardian's car and goes to say something through the front door and the driver just takes off. Again, we're not 100% sure why she's in detention yet, but you get the impression that yeah, she's probably not paid too well of attention to just by the fact that they just drop her off and leave without even saying goodbye. After she arrives, then you get the arrival of John Bender, who is played by Judd Nelson. And again, not yet determined why he's in detention, but he comes across as a student who really doesn't give two craps about anything. And as we will find out later, not much later, that obviously there is some truth to that. So Saturday detention starts promptly at 7.06 a.m. And per Vice Principal Vernon, for the next eight hours and 54 minutes, they are to think about why they are here. No talking, no moving. Bender is not to sleep. So, again, you get the impression there that he has a history in being in detention. If the vice principal knows exactly how he normally behaves, then, yeah, again, would lead you to believe he's been there before, not just once, probably multiple times. So, the punishment that Vice Principal Vernon hands out is all five of the students are to write an essay of no less than a thousand words describing to the vice principal who they think they are. Hmm. Could be kind of deep and introspective, but you also have teenagers who probably aren't going to care as much, you would think. So, you just have to wait and see how the whole essay assignment just happens to play out throughout the course of the movie. And following that, Vice Principal Vernon hands out the paper and the pencils. And as he's walking out of the library, John Bender pops off with the line, Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? Obviously, Bender is a huge smartass. And that little... One line comment earns him another Saturday in detention. Go figure. So, with that said, the hijinks of the movie are off to the races. The morning starts out with Bender being Bender and trying to portray an I don't care attitude with a large hint of being a smart ass, even causing him to playfully question where and how they are to use the bathroom where he also playfully threatens to whip it out and go right on the floor underneath the table that he's sitting in, which causes him and Andrew to get into it. Following that, 
Bender throws out the suggestion that they close the library door and the guys take turns impregnating Claire. Go figure, obviously, again. Doesn't sound like he gives two craps about anybody else but himself. Which causes Andrew to reply with, you know, Bender, you don't even count. If you disappear forever, it wouldn't make a difference. You may as well not even exist at this school. Which you can tell by the look on his face kind of hits John a little bit. But to mask the slight amount of hurt, he replies with the wise crack that maybe I'll just run right out and join the wrestling team. <sighs> So, which leads into a discussion about social status and social clubs. And throughout the social club discussion, Brian keeps trying to chime in with he's in the math club, which gets ignored. And then he chimes in with I'm in the physics club, which at this point, Bender stops their conversation and looks over at Brian and he's like, what did you say? And he's like, I'm in the physics club and I'm in the math club. And to reinforce his point to Andrew and Claire, he decides to throw the question out to Claire. Are you in the physics club? And to her, that totally is unheard of. Why would she want to be in a club like that? She could, she responds with that's an academic club academic clubs aren't the same as social clubs and whatnot. Not realizing the weird, sick, twisted way, but realistically, even academic clubs are, in fact, social clubs. Maybe not to somebody like a prom queen like Claire or a super jock like Andrew, but to a certain population of the school, they are, in fact, a social club. After that, after that back and forth discussion wraps up, um, Bender decides to up the ante and remove a screw from the door closing mechanism, which causes Vice Principal Vernon to come barging in to see what's going on. And after two failed attempts to prop the door open with Andrew's help with a light metal folding chair and a magazine rack, the metal, obviously the metal chair, not heavy enough to hold a heavy door, the magazine rack, it gets brought to Vernon's attention by Bender that that could be a potential fire hazard because it blocks a door and at this stage in Vernon's career, I don't think he doesn't think that um, endangering the lives of students is a wise career move. Go figure. So at this point, Vernon decides to lay all the blame for the mishap at Andrew's feet and they end up moving the magazine rack out of the way and Vernon and Bender get into it. Back and forth with Bender basically not backing down to Vernon. And ultimately the result of the altercation is Bender gets eight more weeks of detention added to the current week and the one week already that he was given at the beginning of the movie. So obviously Bender doesn't give two craps and he pretty much is going to be spending every Saturday for the remainder of the school year in Saturday school detention. So the next couple of hours time-wise in the movie transpire over small brief little montages ultimately revealing that the students have fallen asleep at their tables and are woken up for a bathroom break by vice principal vernon so basically the way 
the movie is set up is it basically unfolds in three parts. You have the opening, which is arrival to bathroom break. Then you have part two that is bathroom break to lunch. And then after the final part being the conclusion, which is after lunch to roll the final credits. So second round of shenanigans begin with Bender sitting on top of the card catalog and ripping apart books and throwing the pages all over the place, which ultimately ends up fueling a deep introspective discussion about their home lives and as well as whether certain people have or have not lost their virginity. Mainly Bender directing a lot of that discussion directly at Claire, which ultimately results in Andrew and John getting into it and Andrew taking John to the ground and holding him down until John basically says, I give up. And then as he gets up, he's like, I didn't want to hurt you, but you know, I could have killed you. Kind of trying to stroke his own ego and repair his own hurt feelings over the fact that he probably just got his butt whipped by somebody who he doesn't want to claim to have gotten his butt whipped by. But next up, Janitor Carl arrives in the library to empty garbages and pencil sharpeners and whatnot. And that establishes the fact that him saying good morning to Brian, that he and Brian, Anthony Michael Hall's character, have a brief, have somewhat of an acquaintance or they know each other from school interactions or outside of school or whatever the case may be. And then as well, that's also followed up by Bender asking questions about what it takes to involve yourself in a career in the custodial arts where janitor Carl basically admits to the kids that they look down on him and think he's such a peasant, but realistically he is the eyes and ears of the school and he knows everything that's going on, whether they think he knows what's going on or not, which while I was going to school for working on my bachelor's in education, that was one of the first rules we were taught by our teachers is 99 times out of a hundred the majority of the time the custodians slash janitors in the building are the ones that make the building work and they realistically know more about what's going on in that building than just about anybody in the world does which makes sense they're always in the nooks and crannies of the building fixing things maintaining things so After Carl leaves, and you have that altercation, it is 30 minutes for lunch, and Vice Principal Vernon picks Andrew and Allison to go to the teacher's lounge and get sodas. And while walking down the hall, Andrew tries to make small talk, and Allison admits that she drinks vodka, And in turn, Andrew reveals that his coach and his dad don't want him to blow his ride. So again, you get that point reinforced. So obviously there's something going on and, you know, more than likely later in the movie, we'll find out exactly what the heck's going on. So during the time that they're off doing that is when... Brian and John and Claire end up in a discussion about having sex and Brian reveals that he supposedly had sex with a girl in the Niagara Falls area. And then rather slyly while Claire's not paying attention, he motions to John that he and Claire have done the deed. And once John throws him under the bus, it pisses Claire off to the point that she rips into Brian and ultimately ends up making Brian break down and admit that he didn't want anybody to know that he was a virgin. Surprise, surprise. 
So everybody goes through their lunches and Claire's having sushi and that totally grosses Bender out. Um, Andrew is unpacking an ungodly packed lunch with chips and fruit and juices and multiple sandwiches and obviously his he doesn't go without meals at his house. Brian has a rather 1950s Leave it to Beaver style lunch where he's got a thermos with soup in it, a sandwich, apple juice, whatnot. Um, oh, and Allison has a lunch meat sandwich, which she dissects and throws the lunch meat away and ends up opening a couple pixie sticks and dumping the pixie sticks onto the bread and loading it up with Captain Crunch. So to me, that seemed like an odd combination for a sandwich. It has been brought to my attention by a few other people that evidently that's not that odd and people have had that style of sandwich before. So no judgment from me on that, but to each their own. So after Brian and John basically unpack Brian's lunch, it leads Bender to give his impression of what life is like in Brian's house with the over the top, campy, lovey dovey exchanges between parents and children and all of that. And then at the same time, they ask what his is like and you finally get the revelation that his dad is verbally abusive, physically abusive. And probably that plays a whole big role in what John's attitude is all about or possibly could be. I'm not a psychologist, so I won't diagnose that problem directly, but so after lunch, it is time to break out of the library and run to Bender's locker to get Bender's weed. And on their way back, they get turned around in the hallway and almost get cut captured by vice principal Vernon. So Bender being Bender, stuffs his weed into Brian's pants and takes off running down the hall, screaming and yelling and singing to attract Vernon's attention so that the other kids can get back to the library and not end up getting in trouble. So upon Bender getting captured in captured caught in the gym, he's taken to a storeroom where he's locked up with Vernon and at this point, Vernon unveils that John is basically in detention this time because he pulled a false alarm at the school, I'm guessing Friday, Thursday, somewhere in that window, earlier in the previous week. And Vernon literally unleashes a psychological hell on John and attempts to break him down and even pick a fight. And he even offers to give John a free shot, which John turns down. The significance of this altercation is that Vernon basically admits to John that he could kick his ass right now. And it wouldn't be a big deal because everybody would believe him because he he's a quote unquote swell guy and nobody would ever believe somebody like Bender anyway. So as Vernon walks out of the room and locks Bender in, you start to get the look on Bender's face that just how broken he has been from the authority figures in his life. So after a few brief moments, Bender ends up breaking out of prison through the ceiling and working his way back to the library so that everybody can end up getting high together. While 
the students are in the library getting high, that's when Vice Principal Vernon sneaks off to the basement to pry into his co-workers' confidential files, and he's then ultimately ended up be, gets caught by Janitor Carl. So I don't know if there's sincerity or just playful being smartass about this, but um, ultimately. Vice Principal Vernon tells Janitor Carl that, you know, this is a very delicate matter and, you know, he would like that it doesn't get out what he did because confidential files are confidential files and there's nobody else's business. But um, before we cut back to the library to see what's going on, Janitor Carl basically whether it's playfully or truthfully bribes him that he'll keep his mouth shut for 50 bucks. Again, not sure what's the truth or not, whether it's playful or truth, but yeah. So at this point it is back off to the library time to see what is going on with the. So, now that we are all back in the library and we are all blazing up and getting high and it's a good time to start to dig deeper into everybody's pasts. We start to get a better understanding as to who each and every one of these characters are with the first one being the fact that Allison admits that she has a very unsatisfying home life. And that leads you down the road to she's kind of desperate for attention. You get that from the fact that she makes a lot of statements throughout the movie, both here and before. And then even down the road further where she makes statements and then five seconds later she, oh, I lied. She's basically grasping for attention from anybody around her because she's probably not getting the attention at home that even as a 16, 17-year-old kid, you would think you would still be getting. And Andrew reveals that He's in detention because basically he aggressively hazed a smaller kid in the locker room while he was getting ready for practice. And it's actually somebody who Brian knows and is friends with. But basically he holds him, takes him down, holds him down, wails on him and ends up taping his buns together. And as he reveals in the alter in the story, evidently this kid is quite the hairy man beast. And when they went to pull the tape off, it took a lot of the hair off of his body and as well as some skin as well. So. That leads to the revelation that more than likely Andrew is thinking to himself that he's got to live up to the image of that his father holds him to. He, he has to rise to the occasion. And even at the beginning of the movie, his dad revealed that, you know, he acted up when he was that age. And the only difference is, is that he never got caught. So obviously his dad's up on, you know, his dad's king of the mountain and Brian's just, or not Brian, Andrew is just trying to reach that same level and live up to his dad's expectations. 
Brian reveals that he brought a flare gun to school because he had signed up for shop and he figured it was going to be an easy way to get an A to help strengthen his 4.0 GPA. And their assignment was that they were supposed to build a lamp and I believe it's an elephant lamp where if you pull on the trunk, the light's supposed to come on. Well, upon completion of his project, when you pulled the trunk, the light didn't come on. So he ended up getting an F on the project, which that probably is the first time that he's ever gotten an F in his entire lifetime. He's that kind of a smart kid. I wouldn't necessarily consider him you know, Dr. Sheldon Cooper smart, but he's obviously a a kid who's gone through, you know, what, nine or 10 years of public education and probably never gotten anything less than an A on his report cards. So ultimately, from there, you get the impression that there's a lot of pressure on Brian to be perfect. And as we all know, we're all human. Nobody's perfect. And nobody should have to be smothered by that never-ending burden of trying to live up to that. There's a verbal altercation again between Bender and Andrew from the beginning, where ultimately what it boils down to is John ends up not necessarily teasing, but putting Claire down for her entitled attitude that she has. Ultimately, they end up arguing over the fact that um, the question pops up as to what is going to happen Monday morning when they come back to school. And Claire doesn't think that Almost everybody in the group seems to think that things are going to be different because they've bonded now. Claire doesn't seem to see it that way because the rest of the group isn't friends with the people like she and Andy are. And they they don't realize the tremendous amounts of pressure on people like them to live up to everybody's expectations. And that's basically at this point where Brian loses it and cracks under the pressure of everything that Claire is talking about because it may not be the exact same kind of pressure, but he is also under a significant amount of pressure because of that pressure. That's the reason why he brought the flare gun to school. Well, it wasn't revealed yet that he brought that it was a flare gun. But ultimately, he brought the gun to school because he had plans of ultimately killing himself. And that's when it's revealed that it actually was a flare gun and everybody laughing about it kind of sort of lightens the mood back up again and gets everybody laughing and joking about it. So after that heavy, deep discussion, we cut to a 
brief dance interlude, go figure, an 80s movie, and you have an emotional moment that has to be accompanied by the dance. Upon the ending of said dance interlude, Bender returns to prison, and Claire takes Allison under her wing and gives her a makeover, and afterwards, she and Andrew have their little sweet romantic little moment, and Claire pulls Brian aside and ultimately coerces, talks him into him being the only one to write the paper for principal vice principal Vernon. I'm almost done with the episode and I still can't stop calling him principal Vernon, but yes, vice principal Vernon. And ultimately I don't really get an impression as to why he did. it. He just, he ends up doing it and I'm not going to muddy the storyline down by speculating it. Ooh, he's got the hots for, and that's why he ended up doing it. Blah, blah, blah. No, he, he does it. And that's all that matters. So while he's sitting down and writing the essay, that's when she sneaks off to go have her little sweet romantic moment with Bender in the storage room prison. And, Allison comes out of one of the back rooms in the library and reveals herself to Andrew and mesmerizes him. So you have your brief, sweet moments. Everybody has their little oohs and ahs and la-dee-dahs and all that. And basically what comes from the moment with Claire and Bender is him saying, wouldn't I be the perfect up yours to your parents? They hold you to this standard and yet you bring home moi to them. I'm pretty sure that probably would not have gone over very well. So upon the end of that moment, we have reached the end of the day. Next up, we see the gang walking out down the hall with Brian saying goodbye to Janitor Carl and Bender saying, See you next Saturday. Ha ha ha. Little smart Alec comment. But you get Allison and Andrew end up saying their moments before they separate and go home. And then um, Claire and Bender have their moment where. They say their goodbyes and blah, 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 and la-di-da. Everybody gets in their cars and ultimately ends up going home. But we close the movie with, again, Don't You Forget About Me, playing in the background as Brian reads the following letter in a voiceover fashion. Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong, but we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we are, and you see us as you want to see us. In the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions, but what we found out is that each of us is a brain an athlete, and a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. Roll the closing credits. 
basically, that is your movie as a wrap. Um, that letter right there, as well as the opening letter that opens up the movie being Saturday, March 24th, 1984, Shermer High School, Shermer, Illinois, 60062. Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was that we did wrong. What? But we think you're crazy to make us write this essay telling you who we think we are. What do you care? You see us as you want to see us. In the simplest terms and most convenient definitions, you see us as a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. Correct? That's the way we saw each other at 7 o'clock this morning. We were brainwashed. Basically, as far as favorite lines go, those two pieces of voiceover work by Anthony Michael Hall are probably my <coughs> ultimate two favorite lines in the movie. It really, the second one that I just read capsulates the whole purpose of the movie. And then the last one from the end of the movie really wraps it all up into a nice clear image of what we're talking about. Realistically, this is an amazing movie. It's a movie I, honest to God, had never watched until late 93, early 94. It would have been my junior year, I believe. Sophomore or junior year. But... I took a sociology class in high school and the amazing teacher that we had, um, Mr. Derek Cook, actually sat us down and gave us the assignment of watching this movie as a way to start to open our minds to social classes and what people think and whatnot. And it didn't take long before I was completely wrapped up and fully engrossed in this movie. It's an amazing movie. And I think it really should be probably required viewing for anybody before graduating probably honestly almost even before starting high school. <clears throat> so if you haven't watched the movie, I highly recommend you go and do it. I personally don't think you will be disappointed. So also with that said, um, I'm going to post a couple questions on the Facebook group page and I actually would love to see as many people chime in with their responses as I want to. I mean, I'm not going to force you guys to do it, but if you want to, I really would appreciate your thoughts on these three questions. So with that said, the first question is, what was your impression of teaching as a career when you were in high school? And has it changed since you became an adult? Question one. Question two. God, we're going to be like our parents, aren't we? Is this an inevitable fate in life? And if it's not, what can be done to overcome becoming a product of this situation? And then the follow and the final question being your opinions on what happens on Monday. I have mine. And after we start to get some responses on the page, I will chime in and let you guys know what my thoughts are. So 
um yeah i'd like to know what you guys think about what probably more than likely went down when they went back to school the next monday you know did things go back to the way they were before did things change check jump over to the facebook page and let me know what you guys think honestly and we can have a friendly, healthy discussion over everybody's opinions and see what we can all try and come up with as the proper future for the gang from the movie. So ultimately guys, that was the breakfast club. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. It definitely was a different experience, not having live conversation to bounce back and forth with and to steer the episode, but I feel good about this experience and I will definitely probably be delivering more episodes like this. Just a reminder, if you aren't already, please jump over and check out Tim and Dewey on the overlook as well as please check out my awesome co-host on her other podcast, the sip list. Amanda's doing great things over there and always producing quality episodes. If you guys haven't checked it out, you really should. And I would appreciate it as well. And I know she would too. And as well, don't forget Mr. Joey Rice over at Bro Country Podcast. If you love country music, his podcast is the place to be. All three shows are incredible podcasts. And I love all three with every fiber of my being. And I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for all four of the people that host those three shows. So ultimately, Tim Arnold, Dave Evans, Amanda Kohlhofer, and Joey Rice, thank you from the bottom of my heart for having my back teaching me, giving me constructive criticism and helping me develop my show as it continues to grow. I look forward to all of your continued support as we continue, as we continue down the road. Next up on an evening at the movies, Actually, technically, next up is actually last up because I still haven't finished it. Finished, not finished it. Finished editing the Karate Kid Part 2 episode. And I need to get that done. So tomorrow morning at work, I will be editing that. And when I get off work at 9 o'clock and get home, I will do my best to get that episode dropped for you guys as well. After that, um, I think what we've got coming up is the co-host is coming back over and jumping in, and we're going to do an episode on The Princess Bride. And what else is coming up? Um, earlier this evening, I discussed doing an Edward Scissorhands episode with Jen, my mutual friend that I have through Amanda, who actually is the one who designed that Karate Kid trivia challenge that, I'm not going to lie, I'm not bitter, but yeah, she'll be coming on and we're going to do an Edward Scissorhands episode and I might pop off one more solo episode before the secret mystery episode coming up at the beginning of May. So I will keep you updated on when all those gems will be dropping. Check us out on the Facebook group named after the pod as well. You can kind of keep updated as well as I learn more about the tweets and how to utilize that tool 
And also, I have started posting video reminders, whatever, on the TikTok to update everybody as to what's coming up as well. So if you're not following the show on the Twitter and you're not following the show on the TikTok, go ahead and look all those up. I will post all of the information on the Facebook group page. And as well, I today created a Instagram account for the podcast. So I will be posting stuff on that page as well. So check that stuff out as well, guys. Um, Ultimately, a couple of those are tools I'm not 100% familiar with, but I will work on it and I will figure out how the best way that I can make those tools work for our little show here. So just be patient and have some time and give me some time and we'll get this all figured out. Ultimately, I always do. So with that said, thank you for tuning in tonight, guys. I appreciate it. I had fun talking to you about one of my favorite movies from my younger years. I look forward to coming back and doing Princess Bride, Edward Scissorhands. Possibly, I'm thinking maybe before the mystery episode, I might drop a James Bond episode on you guys thinking yeah that that's a strong possibility but either way whatever i decide to do between edward scissorhands and the mystery episode i will let you guys know so with that said i hope you guys have a good evening and i look forward to seeing you all again really soon and please come back and enjoy an evening at the movies good night guys